0: Good morning, Living Waters. Good morning. Hey, all right. We've got a few photos for you this morning from the Bags Tournament yesterday. We've been talking about the Bags Tournament coming up. Uh, so here are the Meats. They weren't the winners. Even though their shirts say, winner, winner, chicken, dinner, uh, I think that was for somebody else. There's Rich. He's got the one glove. Uh, so I don't know if he's the Michael Jackson of, of uh, Bags or what. And then... Uh, Sayer and McDaniel, they were okay at playing, but uh, not the winners, not the winners. There's our winners right there, Brian and Renee White. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I think the word of advice for McDaniel and Sayer is to bring your wives next year, you might have a better chance at winning. Um, so that was the bags, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Holly and I played, but we lost right away. Um, <clears throat> so if you're new here, Welcome. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, we have the QR code in the front. We would love to get your information and be able to connect with you at another time. So make sure you uh, get that QR code, fill out the information. Uh, ladies, mark your count. Wait a second. It's coming up next weekend. This is the ladies retreat, the ladies engaged retreat. If you want to go, you have to be signed up today by 3 p.m., okay? So this is the cutoff today. you got to get signed up by 3 p.m., uh, ladies' events run a little bit different than guys' events. I think there's a lot; it's a lot more calm, relaxing, food, that sort of thing. So make sure you get signed up. Uh, should be a lot of fun. <clears throat> and then, men's game night is March nineteenth at uh, Indianola Heights. Cost is five dollars. Make sure you sign up for that. If you've got more questions on that, see Adam. It's um, right around the corner baptisms will be march 28th good friday service will be april 2nd and easter sunday service will be april 4th uh we don't pass the plate around here so if you would like to give this morning uh there's offering boxes out in the front or you can give online so through the church center app or uh through the web address so all right good morning
1: All right, let's go ahead and stand. And as we're standing, I'm going to share a a little devotional thought here with you. I've been reading in Jeremiah 4, and verse 4 has been coming to my heart uh, quite a bit here lately. It reads, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah, inhabitants, easy for me to say, of Jerusalem. Least my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Um, I know we come in with different trials and different struggles, and how, in the Old Testament, it really cleared up up how they were under the Jewish law of how circumcision was a good sign, an outward sign, but I love how Jeremiah explained about how to circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskins of your heart. It's so easy with with what's going on in our society today and just our normal day-to-day struggles that we, we face, and it's so easy that, how we can let our hearts get calloused, but what God is using here, saying that we need to take the foreskin of our hearts and remove that. And if we're having struggles this morning, we can think about God's wonderful grace that he gives us. It's not just a one-time deal, amen? He gives us grace on top of grace, and that's what we get to sing this morning. We're going to sing, the first song is called Grace on Top of Grace, so sing along.
2: swing the s sand- i took my place with your grace on top of grace how swing the sound once long your grace on top of grace hallelujah i am free from my sin and penalty at the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace grace. your grace on top of grace
1: Anything for that grace this morning
3: who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God.
4: Praise God. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for the singing of your truth, God. We, we take great joy in it. And um, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we're here for him this morning. We're so thankful for the blood that he shed on our behalf we're so thankful that forgiveness of sins a clean slate god righteousness that we have not earned is now credited to our account and lord we we want to live for you today so god may you bless our service bless the word of god as it goes out in jesus name amen amen well good morning everyone good to see all of you guys here at eight thirty. my name's josh preaching pastor here And uh, I'm calling Mark Black up as a special guest. We do have a a special announcement for you guys this morning. And so, um, yeah, what we're about to share with you is uh, not a done deal. It's not 100,000% for sure. But what it is, is a very real breakthrough. And so we are going to share this with you. Uh, We're going to share this also with the 10 a.m. service as well. But uh, many of you have been very um, committed, I think would be a good word, to praying for our new building and for asking questions about our new building. So uh, many of you, I hope you've been as faithful to pray for our new building as you have been to ask. Amen. Uh, you guys have been asking me, hey, what's going on? When are we getting in? And uh, the, the answer has, uh, has been, we don't know. I don't know. And so I was meeting with a pastor friend of mine actually on Friday and he asked me, hey, so what's the deal with your building? When are you getting in? And I said, I, I don't know. And I gave him kind of, you know, the, 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 the same story I give everybody about electrical and HVAC and zoning. And we need to have those things inspected before we can move in. And, and uh, that was not good enough for my pastor friend, right? He was like, no, but I'm going to dig down. What, when are you getting in? When do you hope to get in? And I said, well, I mean, like, it's hard to gauge that but I said if if there's a date that I would throw out, if God is gracious and we move through the right processes and uh, things are good, I would say March 28th. March 28th would be my best guess of when we can get in. While I'm having this conversation, Mark Black is having conversations of his own, and uh, I want him to tell about that. So,
5: Yeah, good morning. So as most of you Some of you know, I've been building a house uh, down here on the southeast side for about the last six months, and I'm getting really close to completion on my house, just like I'm really close to completion for the church. I'm sorry, our house. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good Um, clarification. Yes. Right, Sarah? Absolutely. Um, So I have inspections scheduled for this past Friday at my house. Uh, One was my zoning guy. Our house. Our house. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah our house yep my yep. means our yeah whenever he
4: says mine the rest of the way just think <laughs> our okay
6: <laughs>
5: um, so I pull into the house about 10 o'clock and um, my zoning inspector is there and he's going through and making sure that the front facade is what it's supposed to be and I built the house to the right dimensions and all this stuff and um, so I just kind of walk around with him and I'm just chatting with him and, and talking about stuff and and I said you know Jesse I think uh, you're also the zoning guy for the church right and he's like yeah and I said, well, I know you and I have been emailing a little bit over the past couple of weeks, and you've got some concerns about the dumpster enclosure not being done yet and um, and handicap signage and things like that. I said, if you got a minute, would you be willing to run over to the building with me real quick? Let's just kind of take a quick walkthrough and make sure I'm going to meet your expectations for, for walkthroughs. And he's like, yeah, i got a little time. So we hop in the car. He follows me over to the building. Uh, we start walking through. Um, I talked to him about the dumpster enclosure and why we're not doing it yet because we still have two or three more heating and cooling units we got to put back there, and this is not supposed to be part of phase one. And he's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that makes sense. And he says, you know, you got these handicap signs in place. If you put these kind of things in place, I'll be good to go. I can sign off on it. And I said, seriously? He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll be good. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, we can get that done, like, Monday. (laughs) So go back to the house, uh, work on a couple of things. My final inspection um, was to take place, so you have to get your mechanical plumbing electrical zoning all that kind of stuff has to go through and pass and then they'll bring your final inspector out so he comes out and we're walking through my house and he's talking to me about other projects and all this stuff and um, I did not pass my final inspection I had three corrections I needed to make which I made yesterday so (laughs) so he's coming back (laughs) Monday yes and Jason Anderson gave me a hand thank you Um, so he'll come back Monday to do that but I said hey if you've got a minute I know we're not ready for final inspection over at the church building yet, but I know you're my final inspector over there. Would you mind running over there with me real quick and just kind of take a quick lap around things? Let me know what red flags you got, what kind of corrections we might need to make. That way I'm kind of, we're on the same page for when I call you back in. And he's like, you know, I've got, I've got another one o'clock here, but I've got, yeah, I've got about 15 minutes. We can walk through. And I'm like, Sweet. <laughs> Grab him. Take him over to the building so this is like completely unscheduled like both inspectors were just like sure we'll just go right on a ride along so i'm like this is great so we go, th- go through and we're walking through the church building and he's looking all around and he's opening up the new vestibule doors and he's checking out the new doors that we put on the north side was excited to see that we got the sidewalks in place was excited that we didn't have any walls framed yet because that was one of his first questions when i asked him about this he's like you guys didn't frame any walls up in there yet did you i said nope He goes, good <laughs> i was like okay so anyway, we're walking through, and he's looking around and looking up at everything. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dreading. There's been a couple of concerns that I've had about what they might say we have to do going forward to, to get into this building. But he kind of walks through, and he's like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure fire has already signed off on it. I know electrical's already signed off on it. I know you're struggling to get the heating strips working on the HVAC units. But he goes, as far as I'm concerned, if everybody else has signed off on it, I'm good. And I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> so unscheduled final inspection <laughs> verbal <laughs> approval um, so I'll have to get an official email we're not like we don't have official temporary occupancy issued yet but right. by the grace of God if we get those last few handicap signs in place Jesse comes back out does a reinspect, and he's good and if he checks and everybody else is signed off and he's good then I could have an email by the end of next week saying you're good to go mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I just thought that was an amazing story.
4: It was an amazing story. So Mark is having this conversation without my permission. Can you believe this? And, uh, and I'm actually meeting with this pastor friend, and I, my phone buzzes at the table, and I, I flip it over, and I see it's Mark Black calling. I'm like, oh, okay, Mark's calling. I'll call him later. And so I hop in my car after the meeting, start driving to back to the south side. Mark tells me all of that, what he just told you. I'm, I am just shocked in disbelief. That God is answering prayer in this way. So I go straight to the new building and I may have danced before the Lord <laughs> inside of our new property. Um, I'm unashamed about that. There is no video of that dance. Praise God. But I we, we're just praising God. It's not a done deal yet. Like we said, we don't want to overpromise and under deliver here. So what we're asking you guys to do as a church is just to join us in prayer. Like d- this is a huge week of prayer. And we need every single one of you praying to God that the Lord would take us from a verbal to a, to a written approval and a, a written permit. Because if we can do that, then we can begin to set our sights on getting the building cleaned, getting things really how we want them to be, and our staff can start working on stuff. We can start working on things in earnest to prepare the space so that by God's grace, and we'll see if this, this works out or not, we can get through both of the spring break weekends, and then potentially have our very first worship service in our debt-free building for the very first time on a Sunday morning the week before Easter. Amen? Wouldn't that be something? So March 28th, if you're thinking about dates in your mind, yeah, let's, let's give God a hand. But Mark, thank you, brother. We love you. And do you notice how he's repping remodeling contractors? I thought that was really cute today. That was good. I am
5: working a trade show this afternoon, so
4: allegedly. I think he just wants to show off his, you know, his brand to our church. Don't you? That's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's give Mark a hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Mark. It really is a breakthrough, and uh, we are just so we are so thrilled by what God is doing, and so. Um, I know many of you have been praying. I know that many of you have been thinking about this. Um, man, we've been praying about this since 12 and a half years ago when we met in my basement for the first time as a, as a church. And, you know, we've been praying about this in earnest regarding the current building for the last three years. Isn't that how it's gone by so quick? Three years of just praying, talking to Pharaoh, and all of a sudden we're here. So, um, God is so good so let's pray thank God for his his good work in our lives and then we'll dig into God's word this morning father we thank you for this report God what an amazing amazing uh, sense of timing you have you are in the small details Lord you are in the details of Mark's inspections and his impulse from the Holy Spirit to to talk to his inspectors and to get him over to our church building and God, so many of us have been praying, and Lord, we account this as an answer to prayer from your hand. And so, God, you are so good, and uh, we rejoice in the favor, the breakthrough that we've experienced. But, God, we're not home yet, Lord. We're not there yet. So we, we pray, Lord, that you would move us to earnest prayer this week, God, that we might get a temporary occupancy permit, that we might be able to move into our building. And, uh, God, that would be a great day of rejoicing for us. So, Lord, we're going to pray and trust you for that end. Now, Lord, do business in our hearts as we center our our minds on your word. God, guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, many of you have been thinking and praying about our future, which is great. But that's a good lead-in to 1 Peter chapter 1 and where we're going to be this morning. Um, It says in verse 13 of chapter 1 in 1 Peter, It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober minded and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is beginning to target our minds. So my question for you this morning is, um, what are you thinking about this morning? What's going on in your mind this morning? Okay, that's the question I want you to think through. What are you thinking about? Easter with living waters? (laughs) Um, Here's the answer. Hundreds of things. Thousands of things are going through your mind right now. You're, You're working hard to pay attention to the preacher because you have so many things going on in your mind right now. And may I say to you this morning, that how you are thinking about your life currently and your future is the most important thing about you. That's what Peter is going to argue. That what's going on up here has a direct correlation with what is going on in here, in your heart, your soul. And in the midst of that, all right, if you don't believe the Bible, you should believe secular sources. I mean, consider the great philosopher um, Bruce Lee. Okay, He said, as you think. So you shall become, right? That's what he said. All right. That's his, it's his quote. This is from Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, of all people. Some of you don't even know who Dale Carnegie is, right? I had, I was told by some young guys this morning they don't even know who Dale Carnegie is. And they said, he said, it isn't what you have or who you are, or where you are, or what you are doing that makes you happy or unhappy. It is what you think about you're only as happy as your thoughts you're only as happy as you think right and and that is what peter is going to be talking to us about and i want you to think about your future where will you be in the next 5 years where are you going to be y'all have thoughts of where you're going to be where are you going to be in the next 10 years where will you be in the next 20 where are you going to be in the next 50 where will you be a hundred years from today? Think about your future. Where will you be in your present? Where are you now? Think about that. Where are you right now? What's going on in your life practically? What's going on? How do you interpret the world? And what's the daily events and headlines and streaming stuff that comes into your phone? What do you think right now about your world and where you are going personally and what difference are you making in the world around you? Okay, A Christianity, Peter is going to argue, a Christianity that is not practical is practically useless. Okay, If your Christianity is pie in the sky, theology, 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 but you never get down to the nitty-gritty practical of your life, your, your Christianity is practically useless because Peter is going to argue in this text that he's, he's going to tell us there's practical things you need to be thinking about right now and there's practical things you need to be thinking about in your future. So Peter is going to be talking about this, what is going on in our minds, and he's going to lay a foundation for us in verses 18 and 19 and 22. So let's just look at those verses really quick. Peter says in verse 18, you were ransomed. Know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Okay, so Peter is saying, look, you've been ransomed or bought. You've been purchased. What have you been purchased from? Well, in Christ, you've been purchased from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Basically, what Peter is saying is that there is a way to live according to this world that is futile. You, you, can, you can get lots of traditions handed down from your, your ancestors. You can get lots of worldly wisdom. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. It's futile. You can run and race for money. You can run and race for power. You can run and race for influence. But if you don't have Christ, you are running a futile race. So in the midst of it, Peter is saying, you have been purchased, you've been ransomed, you've been bought by Christ and you've been rescued from the feudal ways of your forefathers. And then in verse 19, he says you've been bought with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So then Peter says, look, you've been purchased from this feudal way of living and you've been done that's been done to you by the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus has done this. He has given his blood for you so that you might believe in him. And in verse 22, it says, you've purified your souls by obedience to the truth, and you've come to know this reality. I'm sorry, in verse uh, 21, you've been raised from the dead and given glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. So basically, you've been ransomed by the blood of Christ so that, you might be um, putting your faith and your hope in God. All right, This is a big deal. Now, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I mean. This, this is from uh, The Stranger on the Road to Emmaus book. I've been taking a lot of people through this book lately. It's been a real joy to be taking people who don't know Jesus through this book. And, and, and this is one of the illustrations that this book gives. And I just want you to see this because this is what Peter is, is telling us in verses 18 through 22, that we, as, as sinners, we have a certificate of debt. So on the left-hand side, you have this you have a debt, right? It's sin, 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 sin. In this room right, al, uh, right here, we have millions upon millions, upon millions, upon millions, upon millions, upon millions of sins. You guys are a really bad crew. Amen? You're really bad. Now now look. You have sinned millions upon millions of times in this room. Hundreds of millions of sins are represented in our thoughts and mind, right? And in the midst of that sin, even though we are Iowa nice and we are moral Midwesterners, can I get an amen? We're all those things. Even that, hundreds of millions of sins exist in this room right here. And so we have to have someone pay our debt because we're in debt. So someone has to pay our debt. Who is going to be the person who pays your sin debt? Well, the world will tell you just be a good person. Right? The world will just say, hey, be good, do good, you know? Secular philosophy and psychology will say you just need to get over some things and then and then really be a good person and 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 turn out being a, a better person than you were you're struggling through right now. Religion, Buddhist Hinduism, Islam, Roman Catholicism, all these people will say, just, well, just do good works. Do enough good works that will offset all your sins and you'll, you'll pay yourself into heaven, right? You'll, you'll earn your own eternal life. But we know that that is not true. 1 Peter 1, 18-22 is telling us that the only way our debts are going to be paid is if Jesus pays the debt. Amen? And when Jesus pays the debt, he takes all of the millions of sins represented in this room, and he puts it on himself, and he hangs on a cross, and he sheds his perfect blood so that if we would just put our faith in him, we would be given absolute debt payment for forever and ever. That's the best news you've ever heard, amen? Now, in the midst of that, right, if someone comes and pays your mortgage, does anybody want their mortgage paid? What if someone just shows up to your house this week and pays your mortgage? Here's what you would do. First of all, you'd fight it. Someone showed up with a check, you'd be like, what's the catch? I'm not, I'm not taking any check from somebody I don't know. But let's say you got $150,000 left on your mortgage, and someone pays, gives you a $150,000 check and says, I'm here to pay your mortgage. You would fight it first, then you would be bewildered by it. You'd be, You'd wonder, what in the world is going on right now? And then there would be a moment where you would receive it. A hundred and fifty thousand little dollar sins that you have to pay off. And you'd be like, that is the most amazing gift I've ever received. And then you would, in some ways, you would think differently the rest of your life. Because you would be free to, to financially make a lot of different decisions that you could have never made. Because someone paid your mortgage debt. I want you to think about what Jesus has done. Christ has not taken your mortgage. He's taken on something more serious than that. He's taken on your millions and millions and millions of sins. He's put it on himself. And it bewilders us. Sometimes we are skeptical of this good news. But when we receive it, we, we understand that if this is really true, then I owe this Jesus my whole life. If he paid for every sin that I've ever done and I receive him, I need to think differently about my present and about my future. That's the gospel. And so what Peter is going to be bringing to us is he's going to say, hey, practically, if you have been born again, how are you supposed to live? How are we supposed to live if we've really received this gift of of Jesus? And he's going to answer his own question practically. He's going to give us three commands in this text of scripture, and, and the, three, the three commands are in verse 13, verse 16, and verse 17. Okay, the first command is to set your hope fully on the grace of God, or the grace that will be revealed. Verse 16 says, this is the second command in the passage, be holy in all your conduct, right? He's getting practical. And then Peter says, and then conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile." So these are the three commandments that Peter gives, and he's getting really practical at this point. And he's saying, look, if you've received the blood of Christ, here's the three things you need to work out in your life right now. And uh, we're only going to get to two of those due to time and communion. But these are the three commands that we're going to see in the text, and then we'll look at two of them. So the first one we're going to look at is setting your hope fully on the grace of God. So so the first way to think in your mind in response to Jesus Christ and being saved is to think about your future with hope. And look at with me in verse 13. Verse 13 says, Therefore, preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So let's just look at that first phrase there, preparing your minds for action. Um, that's a really practical word. If you're reading from a King James Version, that word means gird up your loins, all right? Yeah, that's the phrase that you have. And uh, basically what that means is tighten your belt and get ready to run. How many of you loosen your belt after a big meal, right? Yeah, praise God, amen. We, we loosen our belts, but if we're getting ready to run or move or do activity, right? We, we tighten up our belts. That's the meaning of this Greek phrase. Peter is saying, look, gird up the belt of your brain. Get your brain ready to run, all right? And in the, in the, uh, in the New Testament days, they would wear robes. So you can't run in a robe, right? Can I get an amen? You don't want to see that, right? So if you have a robe and you got to run or walk or do hard work, you're going to literally pick up your robe, Right in a such a way that you cinch it with a belt and you can run, work, and move in society. So Peter is saying, prepare your minds, cinch up the belt of your minds, and be sober-minded. Okay, the word sober-minded means to have a serious, moral mindset. Okay, now <clears throat> I like to laugh. Do you guys like to laugh? I love to laugh. I I love telling jokes. I. One of my spiritual gifts is sarcasm. I'm still looking for that verse in the Bible, right? But I love to laugh, we love to laugh, and we should like to laugh. It is a good thing to laugh. But Peter is saying here, there is a time to be serious. There is a time to be sober-minded, serious in your mindset when the things of God are being talked about, when the things of Jesus are being talked about, when God's laws are being talked about, when God's grace is being talked about. We shouldn't laugh about those themes. We should be serious-minded about those themes. So in our modern 2021 culture, we have a problem with this, do we not? We got a problem where we laugh when we shouldn't laugh. We laugh about things we shouldn't laugh about. We sin when we laugh at things that we shouldn't laugh about, and it's a growing thing In our culture, consider what Neil Postman said. Um, He said this in his book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, in 2005. He said, I believe I'm not mistaken in saying Christianity is a demanding and serious religion, which I, I would agree with. He says, when it is delivered as easy and amusing, it is another kind of religion altogether. So church, think about what gospel you actually believe in. Do you believe in a gospel that has to entertain you and tickle your ears and make you laugh and feel amused and entertained at church? Or do you actually subscribe to the actual gospel which says repent and believe in Jesus? We have to be so careful in our day and age because we are amusing ourselves to death in many ways and we need to be careful to heed Peter's words to say, be be serious and sober-minded about the things of God. And then he says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be revealed to you in the last time. Hope. Set your hope. Like setting your watch, setting your alarm. Set your hope on the grace of God that's going to be revealed to you. Now, hope is the confident look at the future. That's what hope is. Hope is a 100% commitment to what God is going to do in the future. It's a commitment to believe that God is in control, that God's got this, that as he looks at the future, as you look at the future, we believe that God is in control. Now, believers in Christ are to live in hope. Believers are meant to have hope in their hearts and in their minds. It's a confident look about the future. Hope is faith in the future tense. Okay? Hope is faith in the future tense. If you are a Christian, you are called to be confident in the future. Christians, how many of you are confident in the future as you look at it right now? Ooh. Okay. All right. Good. Yep. Some of you, yes. Some of you, no. Christians are to go all in with Jesus. Peter is saying we are to go all in, 100% in intellect, emotion, and will to follow Christ and to say we know who's going to win. Jesus is going to win in the end. Amen? Christ is going to win. And we know the future. We don't know how it's all going to play out, but we know that Jesus is on our team, and Jesus is going to win at the end of time. So you have to do this. You have to go all in in your present and in your future. So this happens first at salvation. When you first get saved, you give your intellect, emotion and will to Jesus. And when that happens, right? That's a big deal. All right, it's a big deal. We just we just led a young man to Christ on Tuesday. And and we were studying with him and he's like, "Man, every time I come to church, I just start crying." He's like, "I just start crying. I got to shield my face from my from my girlfriend. I don't want her to see me, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, so you're getting emotional at church?" good, right? Good. And he said, and then, and I said, but do you understand what you believe? Do you understand the gospel? Are you just getting emotional to get emotional? So we went through the facts of the gospel and he said, no, I believe that. I believe in that. And I said, well, the last thing that you're missing is the will. God made us with intellect, emotion, and will. You have to will. You have to decide. You have to decide to follow Jesus. You have to repent. You have to pray. I got a I got a message the next morning at seven forty nine a m saying, Pastor, I gave my life to Christ last night. Praise the Lord. Yes, you can clap for that. Yeah, Jesus is pretty cool. He's he's good at saving people. But not only do you do that at salvation, but you have to do that in your present day right now. Right? Don't we have to give Jesus hundred percent of today? We don't know how today's going to go, so we have to give Christ intellect, emotion, and will. As a growth step, we have to give him everything. And then as we look at the future, we need to give Christ every single thing that is going to come. I don't care who's on the president's throne or who's running what. We as Christians need to be the most hopeful people in the world because God is in control. And our world is filled with doubt and brokenness, is it not? There's so much doubt these days, so much brokenness, so much cynicism. And we know that the world is broken, broken in relationships, morality is broken, society is broken, and Christians are to stick out like sore thumbs with hope. We should be the most hopeful people in the world. Now, I put this uh, Gen Z picture up because millennials and Gen Zers, right, they, they need to know certain things. If you don't know what a millennial is or if you don't know what a Gen Zer is, you can talk to me after service. We can come to Jesus about that, okay? So, a Gen Z generation, which is my daughter's generation, they've never known a moment without the internet. They've never known a moment not connected to digital and social media. They don't buy into the Billy Graham gospel of 70 years ago, but you know what they do know? They know that this world is broken and messed up. They know that their relationships are screwed up, and they know all these things, and we've seen... We've seen um, riots, we've seen marches, we've seen a lot of noise on social media from this generation saying, hey, we would like to fix everything. And those of us who are older and older than my generation are just like, you can't fix nothing in this world, people. You don't know that yet because you're too young. But listen, they want answers, but they don't really know what the real answer is. They're like Isaiah twenty six eighteen. We have accomplished no deliverance on the earth. John, the Apostle John in 1 John two seventeen says that this world is passing away with all of its, all of its loudness. This world is passing away, but he who does the will of God obey, abides forever, remains forever. Christians should look at Gen Z, and instead of being angry at them, you know what we should really do? We should really um, fix our hope on Jesus. And reach this generation for Jesus, right? You know what we should really do? We should throw our hope fully into the answers that we know this generation is looking for. We should throw in with Jesus Christ 100% and tell the next generation that, you know what? This world will fail you. This world is broken. It's full of sin. But you know who will never fail you? The one our hope is in, Jesus Christ. He will save, he will redeem, he will restore, and he's coming again. And there is a grace about to be revealed in the last day, and this is what Jared C. Wilson said. He says, we are granted grace here and now, and yet this grace will be publicly displayed before the whole world upon Christ's second coming. Christian, did you know there's more grace that you're going to receive? This is a good thought. There is more grace that you will receive when Christ returns. And that grace will be a very real and potent and powerful grace. Grace saves you, grace sanctifies you, and grace will be revealed to you when Christ returns because all the questions you've ever had about your life and the significance of it will be answered when you see Christ face to face. You will know. And that grace is going to be given to your heart and mind. And that is a grace that we fix our hope on. Here's another uh, passage of Scripture. This is Revelation 19, 11 through 16. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes are like a flame of fire. This is Jesus, if you didn't know. And on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And he is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and the name in which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword, which is to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread out the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he, was, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Christian, this is where you are supposed to set your hope. And this man who will come, this son of God who is going to come with power, your grace will be revealed at that time and your hope is to be found there. So way number one is to think about your future with hope. Christian, if you're here this morning and you don't have any hope, I would encourage you to look at this passage and look ahead and say, my hope is fixed on Christ and His second coming. No matter what I'm walking through right now, Christ's second coming is what I'm looking for. And secondly, the second way in which we are to think about truth and about Christ is to think about your life with perspective. We are to think about our life with perspective. And I'll fly through this point because we got to get to communion. But in verse 17, it says, If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So the father, in verse 17, is, is addressed as the father who um, judges impartially. So Peter is telling saved believers right now, and when they call out upon God, God is both Father and He is also Judge. Right? He is the Father who judges impartially. Now this is really trippy because you know, we tend to move one direction or the other when we talk about God. Right? God is Abba, Father, which means He's Daddy. Jesus makes God Dad. Jesus makes God our Judge, our Father, our intimate one. And that's an amazing thing, but God the Father is also the the Father who's going to judge impartially. So God is full of intimacy and also majesty. God the Father freaks me out, man. I don't even know what that's going to be like to stand before God the Father. I don't think I'll be standing. I don't think you'll be standing either. Because he has this amazing presence about him where he is both judge of all things, impartial judge, He's also daddy, and he doesn't have a body. He's spirit, and that's going to be trippy. And there's going to be a lot of things that are just deep and amazing about God. And I think the more that we understand how big God is, we see his majesty, and we wonder, why would you even think about someone like me? That's what David said in the in the Psalms. He said, who is this God that just would think about man. What is man that you would remember him? We're so little. We're so itty-bitty. Right? And the Mars rover is telling us about this. Right? We send this Mars rover. If you need to know more information about Perseverance, the Mars rover, you can see our office manager, Chelsea Smith. She will fill you in. All right? She has been updating and educating me and Andy about this whole thing. And this, this rover landed on Mars. And this rover is taking these amazing photos and videos that we have never yet seen before. And this picture is, is just a fraction of what you can go look at on YouTube or on the internet. But but some of the beautiful images that have come back from Mars show us how amazing our Milky Way galaxy is. So big, so incredible, so massive that it just it just takes your breath away as you look at the massiveness of space. And everybody who doesn't believe in Jesus is like, well, there's got to be life somewhere else. There's got to be, right? There's got to be souls. Jesus, we don't need the gospel. All that. But I think as we look at this as Christians, we say, God, how big are you that you would speak this with your word into existence? And how can I call you How can I be intimate with the the God who majestically and powerfully creates all things? And as we understand the universe is bigger, God is bigger still. And you guys, if we know Jesus, this, this informs how we live today. We live with fear. And that word fear is for reverence. We live with reverence during this time of exile, this short life that we get. We live in reverence and awe of who is this God that would send his son to die on the cross for me. Who is this God-man, Jesus, who would, who would be the creator God of the universe and would come and die and shed his blood for sinners like me? Who is this God? It informs the way we live. We should live with reverence and fear and perspective. But this life isn't it. This is the entryway. Into eternity. This life that we get to live, it's not. Guess what? Fairway, the fairway building is not the end. Amen? It's not the end. It's just a place we can meet and worship Jesus. But it's the beginning. So how should we live our lives now? We live our lives with fear, with reverence, awe. We don't, we don't, we don't give into this world and the crazy sin and the and the desires that we have. We, as the ancient saints called it, we live corum deo. We live before the face of God. So as we go to communion, I want you to think through what you're thinking about. Okay, what are you thinking about this morning? What are you thinking about? Are you living with hope for the future? As you look to your future right now, as we remember what Christ did for us, and you look forward to your future, are you living with hope? That's a good analysis question of your heart. Dig in. Secondly, are you living today with reverence? Are you living with awe of who God is? Communion is a very special time for us, so we're going to spend the next 10 minutes just searching our heart, looking at what Peter has said, and saying, God, help me think. Help me think differently. God, give me the grace in my mind to live with hope for the future and and to live with reverence for today. So as we go, we're going to have 10 minutes to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as you think about your own life, I want you to think about areas that you might need to confess as sin and other areas that you need to get right with God. And then also be thankful for what Christ has done. So I'm going to pray. We'll have have 10 minutes to meditate. And I think the deacons will be coming around, passing around the elements. So just wait for them to come to you, and uh, we will participate in communion together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for this word from Peter. I thank you for the many ways you're working right now, Lord. Help our minds to think about the future. And Jesus, to yearn for your second coming, to think with hope. And Lord, help our minds to think with reverence and awe and amazement who you are, God, in the here and now. Lord Jesus, help us to remember you well. May communion be a very special time for us now. In Jesus' name,
5: amen.
6: Communion's a solemn time when we remember Jesus' impeccable life, his perfect life, and his perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. We learn about the instructions of the Lord's Supper in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also before, oh, excuse me, in the same way, also we took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Praise the Lord. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Let's go ahead and stand up. We'll pray, and then we'll be dismissed together. Heavenly Father, thanks for the morning. Thanks for your word which you've preserved for us, God. And thanks so much for the opportunity to get together, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, God. That's a special time. We remember your your son's uh, impeccable life, his perfect sacrifice for us to pay the penalty for the sins that we couldn't pay for ourselves, God. Thanks so much for bringing us together. We're thankful for the news of the building, God. We're thankful for the preaching of your word, We're a thankful people, God, and we pray that as we go our separate ways, you would um, be the most important thing in our life, God. Help us to live our lives out um, to your glory. And to that end, God, we uh, commit the rest of our morning, the rest of our day, the rest of our week to you, and we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.